Our first reading this morning is taken from the book of Exodus, chapter 15, verses 1 to 3, 13, and 17 to 21. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My ancestor's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. For when the horses of Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. The word of the Lord. The second reading is from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and all passed into the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, And the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, for it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, it is, not a part- is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Father, we ask for your presence and your power to come alongside us in our journey through the wilderness of this life and into the promise of the new creation. Grant us to remember our baptism to fulfill the vows and its demands upon us. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
So we have two baptisms this morning, one in the 9 a.m. and today uh, with Theodore. And so it's appropriate that we reflect again on what baptism is. Because as we are all prone to forget, uh, the constant refrain in some uh, Christian traditions is to remember your baptism. Or as we would do it every week here, we celebrate communion. We have communion because Jesus said to do this, celebrate this in remembrance of him. That assumes, of course, that we, like God's people in the Bible, are prone to forget. We're prone to forget who we are and who Jesus is. So, I mean, this is one reason why Jesus gave us the sacraments. You know, baptism and communion, those are the two sacraments. They're material reminders. They're like the sticky notes. If we tack on to the walls and the calendars and the monitors in front of us, our desktop, for, for us who are prone to forget who we are and who Jesus is. So today, again, it's appropriate that we reflect on baptism and a little bit about communion. Now, now baptism means a number of things in the Bible, and in terms of our Bible readings today, baptism means a new kind of exodus, a new kind of exodus. Exodus being a mass migration of people escaping from something horrible, journeying towards something they haven't seen or known, but it's believed and rumored to be true, to be good, and much better from what it once was. Of course, an exodus involves not just one person, not just one family, but a multitude of people, a multitude of families who are fleeing, fleeing from a horrible situation together, or seeking refuge together, looking for a new home, a new country, a new world. Now in our second reading from 1 Corinthians, Dominic read for us, the Apostle Paul connected the dots. One dot being the sacraments, baptism, communion, and the other, the Jewish story of the Exodus. Now, now how, did, how did Paul make that connection? Well, in fact, it wasn't actually Paul who first made that connection, but it was Jesus. Jesus connected the dots when he celebrated for the last time the Jewish Passover with his friends. See, that Passover, that was a meal. It was a feast that remembered the Exodus story when God through Moses, rescued Israel from Egyptian slavery. So Jesus takes the bread and the wine and reinterprets them to signify his own death. See, in that moment in time in history, Jesus was with one hand reaching far back into the past of Jewish history and with the other reach not too far in time, the time of his crucifixion, and he brings them together, connecting the dots, sacraments, exodus together. Now, Paul would have learned about this from Jesus' friends who were with Jesus at the Passover meal. And then Paul then builds furthermore on that connection and says that during that iconic moment when the people of Israel walked through the Red Sea, he said that the people were said to be baptized into Moses. They were baptized into Moses. Now, what did, what did Paul mean by that? Now, in this case, Moses is not just a name of an actual person, but a signifier of a series of events. Moses evokes a significant moment in Jewish history. It's the same way, for example, when we say Hitler, we then picture World War II. We picture the Holocaust. When we say Bush, we picture 9-11 or the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. They're signifiers of significant events in our history. In our case here, when Paul says Moses 
We are to picture the Exodus, the great escape from Egypt. Miraculous escape. Everyone who passed through the Red Sea are said to be baptized into this event, into Moses. They became associated with this figure, Moses. They were brought under Moses. That is their story, the people's identity, their origins has changed as people who were led by Moses by the power of God through the Exodus. They became people rescued by God through Moses. They became people under God's covenant through Moses. They became people who literally left behind their old life as slaves, with their enemies drowned in the sea, the horse and rider thrown into the depths. They became people given new life, freedom on the other side of the sea. They started out this journey to their new home, to this new country, to this new world that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All who passed through the sea were baptized into Moses, into this story, into this exodus. Now, how does this relate then to Christian baptism? Again, Jesus connected the dots. When he signaled with the bread and the wine that he's, in fact, the new Moses, that he would not only just rescue the people of Israel, but people from every country and race, leading them out from a greater slavery of sin and death and into the promise of a new home, a new country, a new creation of the entire universe. And anyone could join in this new exodus led by Jesus through the waters of baptism. Just as Israel passed through the Red Sea, being baptized into Moses, signaling the decisive event of their rescue from Egypt, so people today, right now in this world, who pass through the waters of baptism, they're baptized into Jesus, signaling the decisive event of their rescue from sin and death. That's the connection. That's not the end of the story. Lest we think that baptism ultimately rescues a person. Paul is arguing in this reading that while everyone in Israel, yes, they passed through the Red Sea. Yeah, they were baptized into Moses, every one of them. But not every one of them made it into the promised land. Not all of them made it into the land that was promised to them. And this now serves as a warning for us. In verse 3, Paul says that even as the people ate the same spiritual food and drink... That's you know, referring to the manna, the water from the rock. That is to say that even though they, as people of God, they had communion, so to speak, nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Even though they're baptized into Moses, in the sea, even though they ate bread of heaven and the water from the rock, most of them died in the desert. This is a warning for us. And why did they die? Why did they perish? In verses 6 and 7, Paul says, The people desired evil, became idolaters, as they sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. That's a euphemism for getting into a frenzied orgy. People did as they pleased. They're freed up and they sought as license to do whatever they wanted. The people desired evil and they became idolaters when they scorned the manna from heaven. They scorned the water from the rock and they craved instead the fish, the cucumbers, the, the melons, the leeks, the onions and garlics, all that they could have back in Egypt. They desired evil and became idolaters when they said to Moses in his face, it would have been better for us 
to be slaves back in Egypt, than to die of hunger and thirst of this miserable bread, this water in the desert. See, the people quickly forgot who they were as slaves. So quickly, how they forgot how they were rescued as refugees, who God is as their Savior, how they passed through the Red Sea on dry ground between towering walls of water as Pharaoh's army chased after them from behind. In other words, the people forgot about their baptism. They forgot that they were baptized into Moses. Forgetting our baptism is forgetting the story of who we once were, who we have become, who we are becoming, and especially who Jesus is. The way the people of Israel behaved and complained and grumbled in the desert, it's as though that they were never slaves in Egypt. It's as though they never crossed the Red Sea. It's as though they never had a covenant or the laws given to them by God. It's as though that Moses never existed who had rescued them. This is a warning for us. Much in the same way, when we who call ourselves Christians, who are baptized in any church, behave in such a way as though God does not exist, as though we have no sin to confess, like there's no afterlife, no divine judgment or reward, no Jesus who died on the cross and rose again, no laws and commands that Jesus gave us to do. If we behave as such, we're not just forgetting our baptism, we're also forsaking it. We're abandoning it. This is a warning for us. So then what's next? So what are we to do after this? This is what Paul wrote. What would, have, what we, what would he have us to do? In verse 14, flee from idolatry. Flee from idolatry. Now going back to the Exodus, sure Israel left behind Egypt when they crossed the sea, but that was only geographically. See, they still clung, in fact, in their hearts, Egypt. They clung so well and tightly to Egypt, that's why they became idolaters, it says. The Exodus did not finish when Israel crossed the Red Sea. It only had just begun for them. They didn't realize that there was still Egypt in them from which to flee, from which to escape And most of them, we know, we've read, did not escape that. In fact, most of them would rather just have stayed there. They felt at home with all the food that they can have. In Egypt, of their own heart, so they're no longer, sure, they're no longer slaves in Pharaoh, but they were still slaves to their own evil desires within them. Much in the same way. The new exodus led by Jesus doesn't end when we get baptized in church. It's only just begun for us. Because there are still idols of the flesh. There are still the idols of the world that still cling to us like the sand between our toes whenever we're walking through the beach. They cling so fast, so hiddenly. We know they're there. Whenever we're walking through the desert of this life and we're called to flee to have a continued exodus from these idols, to escape sin that so easily ensnares and entangles us from running and walking through this race. So the question is then, how, how do we flee practically? How do we flee from idolatry? 
Paul gives us a hint in verses 16 to 17. He brings up communion. He brings up communion. He mentions the cup, participation in Jesus' blood. The bread, participation in Jesus' body. What's Paul trying to say here? Paul, communion is that visible, that physical way we live out our baptism. You know, like the sticky notes again. That visual reminders for us who are prone to forget. It's, the, not, it's not the only way, but it's the principal way we play out our baptism in space and in time. The action of communion together with believers baptized. It's the real life, real time, real body participation in the gospel. The past... Right, being brought forth and enacted in the present time, right here, right now, in Jesus' name. Communion takes seriously that story of our own exodus, led by Jesus, who is God's Son, become human, suffered and died on the cross, rising from death and rising even further into heaven to rule everything at God's right hand. And who will appear on earth again to punish the wicked and to reward the righteous? Communion becomes this way of surviving this lifetime of being tested and tempted by the lures and the winks and the whistles of every idol and every demon in the desert of this life. How we live out and survive this new exodus is to keep participating, to keep pressing into the suffering, the sacrifice, the death and resurrection of Jesus in the bread and in the wine. It's a reenactment of this gospel, remembering our baptism to live out and live into this identity of still fleeing, still this exodus away from sin as we're looking forward, looking to Jesus who is now even leading us from, to our new home, to this new country, to the new creation of all things. We and our children are invited to this journey of the new exodus And it's bestowed upon us this promise of the new creation in the waters of baptism. This is why in our Anglican tradition, we baptize babies and children who are not yet uh, able to profess faith in Jesus for themselves. I mean, go back to that story of Exodus. There were many Israelite babies and children who were carried out physically from Egypt, rescued from a future of slavery and misery and death, passing through the waters of the Red Sea without their knowing what's going on, without their comprehending the significance of what was happening to them. And eventually, it became up to them as they grew up in the desert. They ate manna as their parents fed them the manna, whether baked or boiled, however they prepared it, and they drank the water from the rock. Whether they've heard the stories from their parents and their grandparents, but how God rescued them by Moses with the staff and there were these towering walls of water that we passed through and it was dry ground. They would be hearing this from our community. It would be up to them whether or not hearing that and tasting all these things, that whether they would love and obey this God who rescued them with an outstretched arm through Moses from Egypt. In the same way, we today carry our children through the waters of baptism. And it would be finally up to them as they grow up in church, they grow up at little t, they, they, they take communion in faith, they get catechized. Whether or not they would love and obey this Jesus who lived a perfect life for them, who died the death that we deserve on the cross, who rose again for them. 
promise is still for them. Still for us. And for the generations and generations to come. Soon Theodore will join in on this journey of new exodus. Alongside all of us as Christians. We're going to pass through the waters of baptism. Theodore's story and identity will change as someone who is being rescued by Jesus from sin and death. Who is being rescued by Jesus for the new creation. And all of us will be participating in that. Making promises and vows to uphold Theodore in the same journey that we're in. To reaffirm our vows. To flee from idolatry. To make an exodus away from sin. Yet we're still doing that. To press into the gospel story. To remember our baptism. To keep the feast of communion as we live out and live into this identity. As people who are still fleeing from sin. And all the while still looking to Jesus. Who is now leading us into our new home. Into that new country. Into the new creation of all things. And with God's help. We shall fulfill this. Amen. You've just listened to a podcast from Little Trinity Church in Toronto. Please check out our website at www.littletrinity.org to find out more about our ministries and services.